You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. Looking for the latest on the A's minor leagues? One of the latest additions to A's Cast is The Farm. A look around the minor leagues with interviews, updates, and profiles on the future A's tearing up the minors. to our A's Farm podcast. I'm your host, athleticsfarm.com editor-in-chief, Bill Moriarty. And today, we're going to be talking with two men who know as much about the A's top pitching and hitting prospects as anyone. We're going to be joined by A's minor league pitching coordinator, Gil Patterson, as well as A's minor league hitting coordinator, Jim Eppard. We'll be talking a little bit about their careers in baseball, as well as their current roles with the A's, and we'll be getting their takes on some of the team's most promising young prospects. First, we talk with pitching coordinator Gil Patterson, who's currently in his fourth season since returning to the A's. We got his insights on some of the team's top pitching prospects, including A.J. Puck, Jesus Lazardo, James Caprillian, Dalton Jeffries, Parker Dunshee, and Brian Howard. Hey, thanks for joining me today, Gil. Bill, it's a pleasure. Well, we're uh, we're going to be talking with you in just a bit about all the uh, all the exciting young pitching prospects in the A system. But first, I just wanted to ask you a couple of questions about about your career and how you got into what you're doing. I know you were uh, a first round draft pick back in the '70s, and I think you pitched uh, one year in the major leagues for the Yankees uh, back in the '70s. But how did you make that transition from being a player into being a coach? Well, un- unfortunately, not having enough brain cells to do anything else. Although you, you and I both know there are plenty of intelligent baseball people, but quite honestly, you know, uh, pitching one year in the major leagues at 21, and then basically having eight surgeries over the next six years, uh, sometimes is it's like an open wound. However, um, I was able to stay in baseball. You know, I had pitched over 280 innings almost two years in a row, and you and I know. Uh, even back then, that was still a lot. Nowadays, it's unheard of. But um, it enabled me, you know, I think going through what I went through to help other players and, you know, giving something back when you hear about players and coaches, that's, I think, what they, they want to do the most is give something back. So I was lucky enough after uh, I had my eight surgeries. Uh, actually, George Steinler came into a restaurant once where I was parking cars, and he says, what are you doing? You have a job with the Yankees for the rest of your life. So I got back into baseball and coaching, and I I think now Brian Cashman and Billy Bean have a bet, and whoever loses, the other one has to keep me as a coordinator. For the last 15 or 16 years, I've been a coordinator in each organization uh, for four or five years, going back and forth. But I can't tell you. uh, It was nice working for the Yankees, but quite honestly, working for Billy, David Forrest, and Keith Flipman, uh, there's nothing better that anyone could ever wish or hope for. So I've been very fortunate that uh, they wanted me back and they put me in a position to uh, uh, to help lead a, a wonderful organization. 
Well, I think uh, I think you've had three separate stints with the A's, and I think you're you're in your fourth season now of this third stint back. Uh, tell me a little bit about the job, a little bit about the role of minor league pitching coordinator. There's a there's a lot involved in it, but how do you view the role, and how do you approach the role, and and what do you really spend most of most of your time doing in this job? For the most part, Bill, the biggest thing is as to have an organizational philosophy and. You could make an argument that you have to have, if you have 100 pitchers in the system, to have 100 different philosophies. And there's some <laughs> truth to that. However, you really have to have one that from a from a organizational standpoint, everyone kind of stands behind. That's their mantra. That's their motto. And uh, with us, it's we're trying to provide or, or, or teach our guys how to attack the strike zone, uh, to have low walks to get, you know, their share of swinging misses. Uh, if the guys do hit the ball, hit it softly, hit it on the ground or have pop-ups and stay away from damage. And each month, as well as on a daily basis, our pitching coaches uh, go through data and information and try to help teach uh, our pitchers to hold to this standard. And we have goals for each level for a strike percentage, swing and miss percentage. And if they can't achieve that, we have numerous different ways to try to find ways to help the pitcher, uh, whether it be through video or delivery or pitching grips or sometimes data, spin rates, break X, break Z. You know, it, it's up to us to tie all these things together along with maybe the most important thing, what is the hitter doing with the pitch? Because ultimately that is the most important and if guys are getting some swing and miss and weak contact, we keep driving that 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 forward. And so that's our that's our biggest objective as an organization, and our biggest mantra is get guys better. And uh, that's what we try to do, Bill. Well, that's what I was going to say. I guess at the at the end of the day, your job really is just to make every minor league pitcher uh, as good as he is is capable of being. That that's really what your job is every day, right? Bill. Mm. Yeah. Bill, you really hit it on, on the head. I remember years ago, maybe my first or second time here, might be my second, uh, David Forrest and Billy Bean and Keith said, I want uh, go go fix Andrew Bailey. Go help Andrew Bailey. He was in double A. Um, and we we were having him as a starter then. And I, I go in there, and I'm standing behind him, and I'm trying to get him to sink the ball. I'm trying to get him to throw a change up. And everything he's throwing is cutting. Everything he throws cuts. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, it's tough to compare, you know, as well as I do, and, and all our listeners is it's tough to compare anyone to Mariano Rivera, except there's Bales throwing a fastball at 93 to 96 and it's going cutting every one. I'm thinking, <laughs> what am I doing? I said, David, we have like a poor man's Mariano Rivera here. Then we put him in the bullpen. Next year he wins rookie of the year. So, you know, all those things, you know, you have to have that tool belt and you've got to be able to find uh, as many different uh, objectives and, and and resources to help get get the guys better. Well, as I know, you uh, you know as much about these uh, these uh, pitchers in the A's minor league system as anyone. You've got your eyes on them all the time. Whether you're going out to visit uh, each individual affiliate or you're looking at videotape, you see as much of them as any human being alive. So let me let me ask you about a few of these guys that lots of folks are interested in. And I wanted to start out with a couple of guys that that we always sort of think of as as twins, and that's Parker Dunshee and Brian Howard. Uh, the A's drafted them a couple of years ago. They've 
done nothing but succeed in the minor league system thus far. They both started out at Midland this year, had really strong starts. Uh, Dunchy's uh, already moved up to AAA Vegas. But what I'd like to know is, is sort of what's left for them to learn. Um, you know, what, what do you feel they still need to master to be able to be able to succeed at the major league level for the A's eventually? Well, you know, that's, that's a great point. And, and I, I think, I think I read an article the other day and you and I both know sometimes when you read articles, you don't know how much information or data is being embellished some. However, I did read an article that Verlander and Garrett Cole, one possibly and arguably a Hall of Famer, and the next one a very good pitcher, um, they actually talk about each other's games when they finish, about pitch sequencing, maybe what they saw in a hitter. And I think that's the key, is you don't ever stop learning. And I think with Brian Howard and Parker Dunchy, I think that's a big key, and I think that's a big key to even having Scott Emerson, uh, our major league pitching coach. He still tries to teach guys uh, and lead them at a, at a major league level, and that's I think that's tremendous. And to your point, with Dunchy and Howard, the whole goal is from from each game you learn and you keep building and building and building, and so. You have so many games under your belt, so many innings, so many pitches, so many scenarios that that you're, you're almost like an encyclopedia. And these guys do what we've talked about earlier. They attack the strike zone. They have some swing and miss. They stay away from damage. You know, uh, you know, we we always talk about pitch with cabeza, quarter zone, and I'm not sure if you can say the lower body part, but we say pitch with your head, heart, and lower body part. And these guys do it. I mean, that's you know. And they do, and they compete. They're relentless. Um, one is extremely funny. It's almost like Abbott and Costello. One is extremely <laughs> funny. The other guy's a straight guy. And, you know, you go back to the A's when they had Zito, Mulder, and Hudson, and, you know, go back to way back. You know, you had the Koufax and Drysdale. They're just great teammates. And I, I think one of the things that that the pitchers do for each other is – when I was in Vegas and Midland, and they they go out and in Oakland, the other starters go out to watch the other pitcher's sides. That's mm-hmm. the bond that they have, and that's you know, that's kind of neat. You know, they're 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 there together. They're pulling for each other, even though they're competing against sometimes each other in the minor leagues and even the major leagues. Uh, it's nice to have that, just that relationship. Uh, you know, I'm, Oakland is so good on building relationships, and it's nice to see the players kind of buy into that and take some ownership with it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, another guy who's uh, throwing there in uh, Vegas uh, with Dunchy now is uh, Paul Blackburn. And, uh, you know, he's pitched for the A's and he's had some success with the A's. Like a lot of guys in the system, he spent much of last season dealing with injuries. But uh, he's had some uh, some pretty solid outings uh, this year in Vegas. I'm curious to know where you feel Paul Blackburn is at at this stage of the game. Well, it was funny, Bill. A, a couple of years ago, I think I was I was at Big League camp, and I'm standing behind him, and I had not we had just gotten him uh, over here, um, and I'm watching him, and he is painting downhill, hitting spots up and in, down and away, change up, down in the zone, you know. And I said to Bob and Emo, 
And I think Kurt Young might have been here at the time. I said, this guy's going to be able to help us. And like you said, to a certain point, he has. He had the injuries last year. You know, if I think if scouts and if sometimes analytics people would just look at his stuff, uh, they might not see uh, the best of the best. Um, but again, just, just like I think two nights ago, seven innings, one hit. A one hitter in the Pacific Coast League is pretty darn good. Had a no hitter for a six. So he just does the things that that pitchers without, let's say, the Scherzer stuff do. They locate, they change speeds, they pitch in, they expand when they're ahead, they're able to throw off speed when they're behind. He's a complete pitcher, you know, and uh, I, I like what he does, and I think he's only going to continue to get better. Well, a guy who it's really, uh, you know, great to see back in action, another guy who, who missed a lot of time due to injury is Dalton Jeffries. Um, you know, he missed about two years coming back from the Tommy John surgery. And yeah, he's now uh, throwing in Midland. He's really showing really kind of impressive command for a guy who missed so much time on the mound. Uh, what are you seeing out of Dalton Jeffries at this point? Well, I gave him a few delivery tips, Bill. Of course, that's why he's better than one player. I'll tell you what. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> yeah, it did work. This guy, what a great demeanor. It's professional. It's like going to the office. Um, it's tremendous. And the ball jumps out of his hand. He's averaging 93, touching higher, locates his fastball, has a change at the head's bottom. And, you know, if, if we would say anything about Dalton, it's the addition of a breaking ball that we have probably tried to work on the most, you know, along with just getting him healthy again and pitching. And, uh, you know, again, we talk about the tool belt and having 15 different grips. And finally, we've given him kind of a cutter slider grip that he's gone from 89 with it sometimes to 83, been able to manipulate it some to create a bigger sweep uh, with a little bit more depth and then the hard, harder one. So it, it is such... It is so nice to see that all the work, hard work he's went through and our, you know, our staff, our rehab pitching coordinator, Lefty, and our uh, Travis Timms, our uh, uh, athletic trainer and the strength conditioning people, it's nice when it all comes together because it always doesn't for people. So it's just great to, to finally see what our scouts saw when they drafted him. It's wonderful. Well, another guy who's pitching there with him uh, this year in Midland is another guy who uh, spent most of the last season dealing with injuries, and that's Grant Holmes. Uh, he uh, he started out pitching for Midland this year. Then he missed a little over a month in April and May, uh, again, I believe, with a sore shoulder. Uh, he's back in action now for Midland. Uh, you know, again, a guy that's lost so much time in his development last year. Where do you feel Grant Holmes is at at this point? Is it just a matter of wanting to see him back on the mound for an extended stretch so you can really uh, uh, get get a sense of him? You know, I, I think you, you kind of nailed it on the head. For, for both him and Dalton, for the most part, they, they kind of came in together, uh, you know, at three innings each. And, heck, you know better than I now. You, you, even if you take two guys in the big leagues and they go six innings, give up one or two runs, you're pretty happy. But between the both of them, they, they've been doing that fairly well. And you're right, Grant did have a little bit of a setback. Uh, glad to see it was nothing major. Um, and his progression coming back is good. He's probably not throwing the ball quite as well as he did before his injury. But uh, each game, it seems like it is getting a little bit better. And certainly hope that that continues for him. 
Uh, and of course, the, the, the final piece of that, uh, <laughs> that uh, injury puzzle, uh, James Caprillion, um, you know, obviously he missed so much time due to the Tommy John. Uh, he really sat out about two and a half years and he's finally gotten back into competitive action in Stockton now after not pitching in a competitive game for, like I said, about two and a half years. How good is it to just see James Caprillion back on the mound after all this time and everything he's been through? Bill, again, uh, heck, you nail everything, don't you? <laughs> you should just talk, and I should, I should be the one listening to you. But no, you're right about you're right about Cap. Um, it is nice. He, he, you know, you talk about a fierce competitor, and we all know there have been plenty uh, in the major leagues and in the minor leagues, regardless of what level they pitched at. But he is fierce and relentless in his approach, and you know, to your point. Him just getting out there again, pitching the three innings every fifth day, throwing his throwing his throwing program inside between his work days or on his work days to be prepared for his next game, you know that's just wonderful to see in itself. And then, quite truthfully, hopefully, that continues, and then the stuff comes back to play like it did when I saw him when I was with the Yankees. Uh, his stuff was just about as good as anybody's. And if we can get just close to that back, uh, we're going to be in a great position. Right now, uh, it's close. We still have a little bit of a ways, a little bit of a ways to go. Not a far way, but a, a small amount. But he's throwing the ball pain-free, feeling good, some quickness and sharpness to breaking balls. And uh, like you said, I'm I'm just very happy that he's able to answer the bell every fifth day for us. Uh, do you know what kind of velocity you've been seeing out of him thus far in the early going? He, he's for the most part pitching at 91 and two. He's mm -hmm. touched higher, but a lot of times when I talk about things, uh, it's not that I never mention what someone touches at. Uh, that's all nice, but for me, you know, if I pitch at 91 or two and touch 95 twice, but I threw 21 pitches at 91, you're pitching at 91 for me. And that's for the most part, that's where he's been. Uh, like I said before, he's he's averaged higher, but to, to your point, when we started uh, talking about cap. Uh, just him being able to take the mound every fifth day and feeling pretty good is uh, is tremendous in itself. Right, absolutely. Uh, there, there's one other guy there at Stockton I wanted to ask you about before we get some updates on uh, A.J. Puck and Jesus Lazardo, and that's Brady Feigl. He was the A's uh, fifth-round draft pick last year, and he's in his first uh, year of full-season ball this year at Stockton, and he's really been the most uh, consistent start, uh, starter at Stockton so far in the early going. So it looks like uh, you might have a, a fast riser on your hands there in Brady Feigl. You know, Bill, it's, it's funny you mention that. There's a guy, uh, uh, Brady, and another pitcher named Gus Barlin, who's coming right behind him. Both of them started off last year in Vermont. Both of them we moved for uh, a few games in Beloit. And uh, Gus is going to go right to Stockton as well here within the next two weeks. And he doesn't take a backseat to anybody. But talking about Brady, he has. And that's why he jumped Beloit. Uh, I think we all recognize you know, like we talked earlier, that he is able to do some of the things that we've talked about. He fills up the strike zone. He gets a swing and misses. He doesn't have hard contact. Um, it's very nice that he has performed the way he has. And I, I, I couldn't be any happier, uh, you know, because sometimes, you know, you're a little concerned when you have guys jump leagues. Mm -hmm. um, 
but uh, I've been very, very happy for him and, and actually not surprised whatsoever. Yeah, he's just does such a great job there. It's been right out of the gate. It's been great to see. Okay, let me uh, get some updates from you on a couple of uh, pitchers that folks are always interested to know about. Uh, first of all, AJ Puck, I know he's everything's been going well in his uh, rehab and he's uh, uh, close to returning to, to real action. When do you think we're going to be able to see AJ Puck uh, out with a uh, minor league team here? I would say by the end of June. Uh, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe, um, and, and the biggest thing I'm not 100% sure of is to, to what innings and, and, and pitch count to give them. I, I still think that's up for discussion. You know, so many things with Tommy John, uh, people and organizations, they're probably close on the same page. But the nice thing so far, Bill, uh, with, with his progression, with again, with Travis. Uh, and AJ in the strength and conditioning and athletic training staff and Craig Leffert's lefty or pitching coach, he, he has not missed a beat. I mean, it is, the ball is jumping out of his hand uh, in the mid-90s and is progressing extremely well. And uh, so I, I, I don't think anybody could be any happy with the progression uh, that AJ has been making. Yeah, no, that's definitely great to hear. Do you think that you might keep him down there in Arizona and have him make a couple of starts there in the Arizona League, or do you think uh, he's more likely to get sent out to somewhere like Stockton to start? You know, that's a great call. And the last the last uh, email with, you know, David Keith and Billy, we, we kind of talked about, you know, the draft. Uh, I've got to go to Oakland this weekend for the draft. And I think uh, some of the things that we discussed then, because he has started to pitch in some, BP and sim games. Uh, next thing you know, it'll be extended games. So um, I, I would think, and again, they'll of course give me the final details. But I would think that close to the end of the month in June, he will get a couple outings at three innings under his belt, maybe in the AZL, and then maybe move on to whatever level uh, uh, it looks like he can be able to compete at. And maybe it is Stockton for two, Midland for two, and then Vegas. You know, but I think that going forward. It's probably something more like uh, maybe even the major league staff will be involved in, in something like that with AJ. Right, right. Well, it'd be great to see him back on the mound where, wherever it's at, that's for sure. And then finally, uh, Jesus Lazardo. I, I heard things have been going well with him. He's been doing his uh, long tossing down there for, for quite a while, I know. Uh, when do you think we might see Jesus Lazardo uh, out, out with a team getting into real uh, game action again? Can, can you imagine, uh, let's say it's June 28th, and they say, well, we've got Lozardo for five and Puck for three. <laughs> <laughs> what, what the other team might say. But he's, he, is, he, is, he is progressing equally uh, as good as AJ is. And, uh, again, with those guys I previously mentioned, uh, for the most part, no setbacks. Um, and it's it's been wonderful to watch. They are both such hard workers as well. But Bill, he might be the same. He might he might be extended a little bit more than AJ. Again, that's that I won't until I like I said I get to Oakland for the draft here next weekend. But sure. but he's been progressing really well. And I think the the thought with him is you know to go ahead and get him stretched out to you know five or six innings as as, as we get closer to the to the end of June. 
Right, right. Well, certainly, yeah, uh, it'd be great to see see both those guys back on the mound by the end of June. Maybe not so great if you're an opposing team having to face them in the in the minor leagues. That's that's for sure. <laughs> but uh, thanks so much for those uh, updates, Gil. It's great getting your insights on these guys. We know you've got your eyes on them as much as uh, as much as anyone. So we appreciate getting your take on them. Thanks so much for joining us today. I enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Thanks, Bill. Stay well. Stay tuned for more on the A's Farm Podcast coming right up. Next, we talk with hitting coordinator Jim Eppard, who's now in his fourth season with the A's. We got his take on some of the team's top hitting prospects, including Sean Murphy, Jorge Mateo, Franklin Barreto, Sky Bolt, and Austin Beck. Hey, thanks for joining me today, Jim. My pleasure, Bill. Well, we're going to talk with you about some of the A's uh, exciting young hitting prospects here in just a minute. But first, I wanted to find out just a little bit about your career in baseball and how you ended up where you're at now with the A's. Now, I think uh, you you played uh, uh, college ball with uh, Cal in the early 80s, right? That's correct. I started out at a junior college at uh, in Southern California, Citrus. And then uh, I got recruited to go up to Cal and played there for two years before signing a pro contract with the A's. Well, I was going to say, obviously, the A's got to look at you there because I know you were drafted by the A's in uh, 82. And I think you spent four or five years working your way up through the A's system before you were traded by the A's to the Angels. So do you remember who you were traded for and, and how you felt about that at the time that it happened? Yeah, uh, yeah, it was, actually wasn't a trade. It was uh, they just purchased my contract. So I, I think they had the Angels or the uh, A's had me on a double A roster and the Angels needed uh help at first base and maybe with uh, some offense. And so I was a great candidate and they, uh, they just actually bought my contract. <laughs> so the A's picked up a little money for you anyway. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I know you spent a little time with the angels in the, uh, in the late eighties before your playing career came to an end. So how did you end up making that transition into the, into the coaching ranks? Um, yeah, you know, uh, I, I just finally got to the point, uh, what was I 32 years old and, uh, I just, uh, wasn't really having much fun playing anymore. Uh, I still felt like I was, you know, able, uh, I didn't have any injuries and, uh, um, I was still playing at a decent level. It's just, uh, it wasn't that much fun to go to the ballpark and, and go out there and compete. Um, but I knew that I still loved the game and I wanted to, uh, you know, try to try to help other players along the way. And uh, so coaching was a perfect avenue for that. Well, I know you spent some time in the Angels system, and I think you're in your fourth year as the A's minor league hitting coordinator. Uh, as we know, you, you you go out and stop in on all the different affiliates, check in on all the hitters, you're, you're developing plans for the hitters. Uh, how do you primarily view your role as the minor league hitting coordinator, and how do you approach your job? Yeah, it's a it's a good question, and uh, it was it was something that was pretty foreign to me when when I first started into it. Actually, with the Angels, uh, I did two years of coordinating with them, and uh, you know, I guess I just drew on my experience from being at an affiliate on how other coordinators would come in and and try to interact and and you know help in any way that they could. So, you know, I took that information and then just kind of put my own twist on it and. I look at it as, uh, you know, I'm, I'm here to help the players as well, but I'm also here to help coach the coaches and, and anything that I can, you know, pass along to them or, 
uh, help them out in any way, shape or form I'll do. Um, I also look at it as, uh, you know, I'm kind of like, uh, you know, the aunt and uncle coming in to visit. They haven't seen the kids in a while and noticing <laughs> how big they are. You know, uh, I, I actually probably see things that uh, these guys don't see because they're around them all the time. Um, so I try to use that to my advantage as well. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, you, I guess you would have a little more uh, sort of uh, uh, distanced uh, a set of eyes and a different perspective than than the hitting coaches who are working with the guys on the daily on a daily basis, anyway. Correct. I mean, uh, you know, any more with MILB TV and uh, our computer program that I can pretty much watch every single at bat that they take. Um, you know, and on the on the MILB TV, you watch them live and. You know, so I feel like I'm I'm at the game a lot of the times, uh, mm -hmm. but it is it is different to be here in person. Well, uh, as we mentioned, to you I mean you do get a, get a lot of good looks at these guys. You probably see them as much as as anyone. Uh, so let's uh, let's take the opportunity to to pick your brain a little bit and get get your take on some of the uh, young A's hitting prospects that a lot of A's fans who follow the minor league system are most interested in. And a guy who I think is a great story um, is is Sky Bolt. You know, last year he had a bit of a setback. He got sent back down to A ball after about a month into the season. And here we are a year later, and he ends up making his major league debut with the A's. So can you tell me a little bit about that that, that process for Sky Bolt and and what sort of how he sort of turned things around and and got headed in the right direction uh, this season? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a it is a really good story, and uh, you know, a lot of times, I mean, I know the players don't don't like it, but uh, you know, in the way that we look at it, is sometimes they have to take a step backwards in order to take the step forward that we need them to, and I think that was really apparent with Sky, and uh, when he came back here, he uh, I, I really feel like he started thinking and working on the things that he needed to work on, and uh, and thinking about the approach the right way. Uh, whereas it was a little confusing, I think, uh, his uh, his first approach. So he simplified things and made things a lot more clear for himself. And then when he went back to Midland, uh, he played extremely well and then, uh, you know, earned the opportunity to uh, be on the roster and go to Major League Spring Training. And then uh, he got off to a great start and the A's called him and, uh, you know, here he is. The rest is history. <laughs> well, another guy uh, who started the season at uh, AAA Las Vegas this year, who I know A's fans are very excited about, is catcher Sean Murphy. Unfortunately, he's on the injured list at the moment, but he got off to a great start this season. And, you know, uh, for a guy who has so many defensive skills as a catcher and that strong arm behind the plate, to also be able to have the ability that he has with the bat really makes for, for a, a great combination but how do you view Sean Murphy and how close to being a major league ready hitter do you feel that he is? Yeah, I mean, he's uh, he made a big, a big stride. Uh, I'm trying to think it was uh, was last year was uh, way better than the year before here in Stockton. He didn't he didn't play all that well. Uh, tried to pull a ball a lot, uh, was kind of being hard headed. I think he would even tell you that. And, uh, you know, once he got to double A, then he really opened up the game. He opened up the field. Uh, he did a lot much better job of controlling the strike zone. Um, uh, everything kind of clicked for him once he started to open up the field. And once he did that, there was no turning back. Um, 
he did the same thing in Vegas all, you know, the, the whole time that he was uh, healthy and playing. Uh, he did it all in spring training. Uh, and, you know, it just, uh, <laughs> he had a lot of success. And it's kind of hard to argue with success and, and how much fun you have when you're, you know, getting to circle the bases and hit doubles and hard hit singles and, you know, walks and all the other stuff that you do when you're a good hitter. Uh, so to answer your question about is he close to being a major league hitter? Yes, I believe he is. If he wouldn't have got hurt, uh, and the A's needed him, he would have been ready at a moment's call. Oh, that's uh, that's definitely good to hear. Like I mentioned, I, I know he's on the injured list now. Has he uh, made it back onto the baseball field at all yet? Do we have any sort of idea when we might see him back in action this year? I know he's not back on the field yet. Uh, I don't know the rest. Um, I'm uh, I'm going to be back down in Arizona here next week, and I'll, I'm sure I'll find out then how he's doing. And uh, you know, hopefully he's sooner than later. Yeah, definitely. I think I think we all share that sentiment. Uh, another interesting right. guy there at AAA uh, Las Vegas is uh, Franklin Barreto. Uh, kind of feels like he's been in the system for for a long time, but but he's actually still not that old. Um, it, you know, he it seemed like he made a lot of progress last winter. Had a great uh, season in the, uh, the the Venezuelan Winter Leagues. Um, but but he struggled a bit early this season. He, he's he's been taking some walks, which is good to see. But he he doesn't seem to be hitting the ball with the same kind of authority that he has in the past. Uh, where do you feel Franklin Barreto's at at this uh, stage of the game? Yeah, you know it's uh, you're right. It does seem like he's been here a long time, and that he is still very young. Um, and I think that's part of it is that uh, you know you you keep going back to the same league and uh, you see the same pictures over and over again. Uh, they start to develop a, you know, a, a game plan to try to get you out. <laughs> and I think that's what he's going through right now. Um, and that's what he's going to face at the major league level as well. So it's probably better for us that he's struggling with it now uh, that you need to make, make adjustments and you have to be able to do a better job of, uh, you know, having a game plan and know what you're looking for. And then uh, essentially at the end is, that you get a good pitch to hit and you don't miss it. You know, you don't foul it off or you don't take it, uh, that you're ready for it and then you put it in play. Um, I don't think we're really concerned about the power uh, being gone. I think this is a matter of, uh, in fact, he had a home run yesterday. So uh, I think the, the power is still there. It's, it's a matter of Franklin becoming a more complete hitter. And once he does that, I think that the, uh, the A's will be happy to call him up. Well, I think, uh, uh, speaking of infielders there in Las Vegas, one of the most particularly exciting players there this year is Jorge Mateo. As we know, he, he struggled quite a bit in his first taste of AAA last year. But this year, he looks like a whole different uh, guy at the plate. And, uh, I mean, last I saw, I think he had uh, 20, at least 25 extra base hits. I mean, you know, he's really been hitting the ball well. What What – What's changed for uh, Jorge this year and what accounts for the, the success he's been having at the plate uh, so far this season? Yeah, I think it's kind of the flip-flop of uh, what we were saying about Barreto is that Barreto, you know, handled the league uh, very well at the beginning and is struggling now where Mateo uh, has struggled at last year and kind of figured out the things that he needed to do to, to become a better hitter in this league and, compete against pitchers who know how to try to get you out. And he's done that. He's controlled the strike zone better. He's not chasing, uh, breaking pitches out of the zone as often. Um, he's pulling the ball a little bit more and he's pulling the ball with, with some authority. Uh, but what an exciting player, man. Once he, 
hits the ball in the line or in the gaps, uh, it's an automatic triple. And if they mess up out there, it's probably going to be an inside the park home run. This guy is, is just a lightning bolt on the on the Braves bases, and uh, he loves to run, and, and you can tell when he does it. Yeah, it's just been great to see him uh, be able to get on base with the, the frequency he, he has this year, so you can see what he's capable of doing once he once he gets out there on the base paths. Okay, let's. Uh, I know you're in Stockton now, visiting uh, visiting there. Uh, let's talk about a few of the the high profile uh, guys there this year. Um, starting off with your uh, your big uh, Cuban uh, import, uh, uh, Lazaro Armenteras. Uh, I was just talking to um, A's assistant uh, general manager Billy Owens the other day, and he he said that you know he he sort of envisioned uh, Lazaro as, as a as a sort of three outcome player. You know, lots of lots of home runs, lots of walks, and also lots of strikeouts. And so far this year in Stockton, that that's seeming to be true with him. But what are you seeing out of uh, Lazaro this season? Yeah, I think you're nailing it on the head, uh, as Billy O did. Uh, you know, I think you're that's exactly what you're getting out of him. Um, I think he's, uh, you know, he's he's a very, very tenacious athlete, and he loves to compete. He plays hard, um, and he, he's also a pretty smart baseball player, and he's trying to figure things out. Um, he struggles with, uh, you know, the off-speed pitch, so he's been working very diligently on the breaking ball here. Uh, not only the ones that uh, you want to lay off of, but the ones that you want to swing at. Now, obviously, in saying that, it's not a not a finished product, but uh, he is doing much better, and uh, you know he's he's tapping into some power and he's using the whole field. Where last year we looked more at the pull side, uh, where he, now he's kind of opening up. And uh, this guy can run. Uh, he runs hard in the bases. He can steal bases. Uh, he's really not a very uh, he's not a bad outfielder at all. And uh, and plays hard out there. Um, I'm excited for this kid, and uh, he wants it, and and he continues to work really hard at it. Yeah, well, well, once he figure, figures out that breaking ball, he'll really be something. You know? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> uh, now, another high-profile uh, outfield prospect you've got there is uh, Austin Beck, who was the team's uh, first-round pick in uh, 2017. Last season at Beloit, he hit for a very good average. I think he hit in the 290s. And uh, but he only had a couple of home runs, which was rather surprising. This year at Stockton, he's already more than more than doubled that that home run total. But the batting average hasn't hasn't been quite so good this year. So where do you feel Austin Beck's at at this stage of of his development? Yeah, as a 20 year old, I think he's uh, he's ahead of the game. Um, he's uh, came back to spring training this year much stronger. Uh, looks like he's in you know great shape and. Uh, you know, last year he just looked more like a more like a high school kid, and he just uh, sprayed the ball all over the ballpark. Uh, you know, the power wasn't really there, uh, but he did a good job of uh, of getting hit. So where this year, this is kind of an interesting league the way this thing's set up with eight teams here that uh, you're going to face the same teams over and over and over again in this northern division, and in doing that, you end up uh, you know seeing the same pitchers over and over again, and they get to see you. So. There is definitely a, a relationship that you build, and uh, they know what you can do, and you know what they can do, and it's a matter of uh, you know who can outfox the other one. So he's <laughs> learning uh, the different aspects of being pitched to. Uh, this this league, they're much better at location, uh, being able to throw their breaking balls for strikes, and those are all things that uh, that Austin's learning right now. That uh, whereas in the Midwest League, I think it's a 16-team league, and so you you know you saw. 
different competition all the time. So there wasn't that same kind of a competition level. Um, so this guy's a really, really good athlete and a really good baseball player. And, you know, he's figuring some things out on a nightly basis. I'm looking for uh, big things through the end of this first half and through the second half. Well, and as you mentioned, he is still just 20. Let's not forget that. So, <laughs> That's right. Uh, uh, now, another really intriguing prospect at, at Stockton I wanted to ask you about before we go is shortstop Nick Allen. And last year at Beloit, you know, didn't do a whole lot with the bat. He's always been primarily known as a as a defense first shortstop. But this year at Stockton, he's he's really been hitting the hell out of the ball. And who would have guessed that that early in the season here he would be leading the team in, in extra base hits, you know? So Nick Allen really seems to have reinvented himself as a hitter this season. Yeah, it was, uh, in fact, it started in the second half of the year last year in, uh, in Beloit. Um, he was really trying to get the ball in the air and um, it, uh, it just led to a lot of, uh, a lot of bad uh, at bats. The approach was flawed and uh, he's striking out a lot. And we finally got him to understand that, uh, he doesn't need to try to hit for power. We're not expecting that out of him at all. We just want him to be a uh, a good hitter. And once he started to understand that, you know, what, what our uh, thoughts were and what we were looking for, um, and then he kind of embraced the idea of being more of a contact on base guy, his whole, his whole game changed. He started seeing more pitches, started walking a little bit more, getting on base more. And, uh, his average uh, jumped up in the second half, and his second half average was, was very good, which really pretty much got him promoted here to Stockton, and he really hasn't stopped. He's just kept going, and uh, I'm excited for him because this is, uh, this is a really talented young man, and if he can just uh, compete offensively, I think he's going to move through the system quickly. Yeah, it's really it's really exciting to see him do what he does because uh, at the plate because you you already know what he can do in the field at shortstop. So <laughs> that, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that really helps make him a complete player. Well, thanks so much for taking the time out to join us today, Jim. It's been great getting your uh, insights on some of these uh, exciting young A's prospects, and uh, hopefully, we'll look forward to talking to you more uh, more in the future. My pleasure. Thanks a lot. Thanks to all of you out there for listening to this edition of our A's Farm podcast. Be sure to check back in for the next episode. And don't forget that you can always find daily updates on the A's top prospects and all the daily action in the A's minor league system on our A's Farm website at athleticsfarm.com. That's athleticsfarm.com. Thanks again. I'm A's Farm Editor-in-Chief Bill Moriarty, and we'll see you again down on the farm. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. 